You're listening to a podcast presented by Providencia West Palm Beach, a church that exists for the flourishing of all people located in the city center of West Palm Beach, Florida. Our hope is to love our city, listen to your story, and practice the grace of God. We hope you enjoy this content. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. I'm not going to do our uh, scripture reading, which comes from Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breathe from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Kevin, for reading that. Thank you, Caitlin, for leading us in worship so far. Good evening, everyone. My name is Drew, and I have just realized that because of Daylight Savings, we have reached the worst part of the year for preaching for me because I cannot see any of your faces anymore because of those lights. It's a battle, but I'll win eventually. Um, or, Or I won't. My name's Drew. I'm one of the pastors here at Providencia, and it's a joy to be with you tonight. I wonder, have you ever really thought 
about the wind. I mean, really thought about it. Maybe some of you are aspiring meteorologists and you could give us a very helpful scientific explanation for why the wind does what it does. But for me, the wind is very near to total mystery. I was sitting on the beach one day and I thought, this ocean breeze is very nice, it's very beautiful. But then my next thought was, if the ocean breeze while I'm sitting here is, say, 10 miles an hour, the kind of perfect ocean breeze. Why is it 40 miles an hour in Oklahoma? And why is it not blowing at all in Arizona? Or where does the wind even come from? These are just some of the non-faith-related questions that make my head hurt. I know a lot of people who simply do not have an imagination for what the wind can really do. Many friends in the UK, for example, who have never really experienced a storm in their home place. You and I have an imagination for wind and storms, if you've lived in South Florida for any amount of time. But even our imaginations can still be stretched. Most of you know that I grew up in Oklahoma, and in Oklahoma we have, honest to God, stand on the front porch and pray tornadoes until you've seen a farm animal lifted into the air and thrown across a field you don't really have an imagination for what the wind can do there's this amazing thing that tornadoes will do that has always boggled my mind a tornado will tear through an area just wreaking destruction in a path half a mile wide And then, all of a sudden, it'll get to a spot and then just jump. 100 yards, 200 yards, 300 yards in another direction. So when you're looking at the destruction from a tornado, be looking at a neighborhood, and this house here has been leveled to the ground, and this house here is untouched. It's just mind-boggling. But then when I moved to South Florida, my imagination was stretched one more time about what the wind could do. Because the first hurricane we experienced here, I was blown away by the fact that the wind could hold those giant palm trees at a 30 degree angle for minutes at a time. My my imagination for what the wind could do was expanded when I moved here. And the expanding of our imaginations helps us to see the world for what it truly is. What really is now and is happening now. But the expanding of our imaginations also helps us to see the world for what it might be. To imagine another reality. And an expanding imagination is the essence of the prophetic task, the essence of being a prophet. Walter Brueggemann, who is a well-known Old Testament scholar, coined the phrase prophetic imagination. He says, prophets are imaginers with the capacity to generate and enunciate images of reality that are not rooted in the world in front of us. 
Instead, they are rooted in a world where the triune God is a real character and a defining agent in the world. That mysterious trinity Keith mentioned a moment ago. A real character and defining agent in the world. We're spending a second week in our exploration of the Apostles' Creed, a second week looking at the person and work of God, the Holy Spirit. And I've chosen this story, this vision in Ezekiel 37, because it's a passage that expands our imaginations for what the Spirit can do. It's a passage that might be familiar to many of us, this story of the valley of dry bones that come to life. It's a story that's been etched into our brains by the super catchy old spiritual, them bones. But it's a vision that, like every vision and prophecy, every narrative and parable, every teaching and poem in the Bible, it's a vision that is manifold. At least that's the word that the Old Testament scholar that I live with used about this passage. Brittany says, this vision keeps opening up, keeps revealing new truths and insights the more you read and explore it. Manifold. So my prayer as we look at this vision together is that the Holy Spirit would make our imaginations manifold as we wrestle with this text. At the beginning of the passage, we find the prophet Ezekiel led by the hand of God through the Spirit of God into a valley. And we have to pause here in the first verse. Because in the first verse of this vision, we are presented with a play on words that is difficult for us to catch in English, but is crucial to the way this vision unfolds. See, every word in bold on this slide is the same word in Hebrew. Wind, breath, and spirit are all three translations of the same Hebrew word. And this whole vision plays with these connotations in a way that opens up Ezekiel's imagination. So Ezekiel is taken by the Spirit of God in a similar way to the Apostle John, who is caught up to a place in the heavens where he sees the visions of the book of Revelation. And like Revelation, this vision in Ezekiel 37 is multifaceted and bewildering. It's also a little bit creepy. There's something appropriate about exploring this passage, the Sunday following Halloween and Day of the Dead and All Saints Day. I can't help but pull some mental images from the Pixar movie Coco when I read this passage in Ezekiel. The valley Ezekiel's been taken to is full of bones, like a lake or a sea full of bones. 
but not just any bones. Very dry bones that are still sitting on top of the ground. The bones are dry because the people have been dead a long time, of course. But they're very dry because this is more than just the death of a people represented here. It's the death of hope. The death of hope is beyond physical death. And the language used here to describe these bones is peculiar. These bones that have filled the valley, they are, the phrase is still sitting on the face of the valley, still sitting on the surface of the ground. They haven't come to rest. The natural thing for bones to do is to slowly sink into a a resting place beneath the surface of the earth to return to the dust, even if they haven't been properly buried. Ezekiel and the people of Israel know what's supposed to happen to bones. They know the stories of Joseph and Moses, whose bones were laid to rest with their fathers. But these bones, which have obviously not been buried properly, these bones haven't come to any rest at all. They are still sitting, unresting, on the surface of the valley. Because these bones, these representations of the people of Israel, have died in exile. Ezekiel's vision takes place while he and the Israelites are in exile in Babylon. Jerusalem has fallen. Their land has been occupied and they have been forcibly taken to a foreign land. Far from being at rest with their ancestors. Far from the land that God had promised them. These bones not only have no life, they have no hope. So the people of Israel say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. In that place of hopelessness, God asks Ezekiel a question of imagination. Can these bones live? This is the question of imagination. And Ezekiel, the prophet, gives what seems to be the only answer he can give. Shrugging shoulders emoji. You alone know, Lord. You alone know. This same question of imagination goes unspoken in different ways throughout the scriptures and throughout our lives. In Acts chapter 2, the story of Pentecost that Keith preached on last week, the question is, can these people speak to one another? 
Parthians, Medes, Cretans, Arabs, people from Pamphylia and Phrygia and every people group, can these people speak to one another? In Exodus 3, the question is, will this oppression and enslavement at the hands of the Egyptians ever end? In the book of Revelation, the question on the lips of the seven churches at the beginning of Revelation is, will this persecution at the hands of Rome ever end? In Lamentations chapter 1, the question on the lips of the survivors in Jerusalem is, can this city ever stand again? For any of you who have battled depression, maybe the question is, can this heart ever rejoice again? For those of you who have battled addiction, maybe the question is, can these chains ever be broken? For all of us who live in a polarized and partisan American society, maybe the question is, can these people listen to one another? And for any of us, all of us, who have been visited by death, this question remains. Can these bones live again? You alone know, Lord. Ezekiel's response seems to be, I don't have an imagination for the question you're asking, Lord. And I can resonate with that. We need more imagination for what the Spirit can do if we have any hope of answering any of that list of questions. And so to expand Ezekiel's imagination and the imagination of the people of Israel, the Lord engages Ezekiel in a circuitous, cyclical, bewildering exercise of the prophetic task. Prophesy to these bones, says the Lord. To the bones? Surely you mean prophesy to the people or prophesy to the nations. No, to the bones. Okay, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And when Ezekiel prophesies, that word is effective. There's a rattling sound. And bones start coming together. And flesh and tendons come onto these bones, but... There is no breath in them. 
no wind, no spirit. So God gives Ezekiel another unprecedented prophetic task. Prophesy to the breath. God engages Ezekiel, commands Ezekiel to participate in the very act of resurrection. Let that sink in for just a moment. Prophesy to the breath. There is something profoundly special, anointed, even sacred, about what Ezekiel is commanded to do. And yet, throughout this vision, he is addressed by God simply as Son of Man. If our ears are attuned to the language of Scripture, we start to hear echoes in this vision that point us forward and backward through the Scriptures. That designation, Son of Man, and the references to the Spirit of God send us back to Genesis 2, story of the creation of humankind. There, the first human is created when the Spirit of God is breathed into the dust of the earth. And so Ezekiel is being given a vision of the remaking of humankind out of the dust. This time out of the dust of rebellion and idolatry and exile and death. In Genesis 2, the first human is called Adama. We often have it translated Adam in our English Bibles. It's a word that can mean soil or ground or earth. And so Ezekiel being addressed as son of man both generalizes and universalizes his role in this vision. He is nothing special. He is merely, O mortal, in one English translation. Or as simple as creature. But this designation is not meant to demean. Instead, it is an invitation to all mortal creatures to have their imaginations expanded in the way that Ezekiel's is. In Acts 2, that list of many people groups that we read last week talks about the Spirit drawing together people from the four corners of the earth. From everywhere. And in Ezekiel's vision, this is prefigured by the command for him to prophesy to the wind. It says, come wind from the four winds, from the four directions of the compass, from across the earth. The Spirit of God comes to bring new life. And so the Spirit stretches Ezekiel's imagination and our imaginations that we might glimpse, just glimpse, the fulfillment of of another prophecy in Joel chapter 2, a prophecy of sons and daughters who will prophesy. 
Old men who will dream dreams and young men who will see visions. Women and men all who will receive an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This vision in Ezekiel is sending our imaginations running in circles through the Spirit's work in the Old and New Testaments. So that our imaginations have to expand to catch these glimpses and echoes. So finally, with an imagination expanded to the point of resurrection, Ezekiel is finally given the task to prophesy to the people. The people who we are reminded have lost all hope to the point of already being dead. Our bones have dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Though they are physically alive, they consider themselves already dead. Such is their sorrow and despair in exile. Their sentiment is reflected in the words of the psalmist in Psalm 31, who says, For my life is spent with sorrow. And my years was sighing. My strength failed because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. This is vivid language. The people of Israel have an imagination for death and despair. But not yet for hope and life. So the Lord says, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. I can look at tornadoes and hurricanes, and my imagination for the destructive power of the wind can expand. But this divine wind, the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, expands our imagination with its awesome life-giving power. The Spirit of the Lord is the very source of life and the source of hope. It opens our imaginations to new possibilities and new people, new places and new purpose. And the Spirit does this work precisely in the place of hopelessness where our imaginations have gone to die. So the Holocaust survivor, Elie Wiesel, Nobel Prize winner, says that this vision in Ezekiel 37 cannot be stagnant. It does not stay in the 6th century BCE when Israel was exiled. It keeps repeating because every generation needs to hear in its own time that these bones can live again. So whether your bones are drying up from oppression, addiction, 
anxiety, grief, depression, displacement, failure. The Spirit of God is moving. Blowing through your life and this place. A spirit of resurrection that will bring us back to life. Let us pray. Thanks for joining us for this episode. The work we do is made possible by your partnership and generosity. If you enjoyed the content and would like to support our work, please visit ProvidenciaWPB.org and click on the Give link. The music you hear in the beginning and end of our show was written, produced, and recorded by our music collective, Paradise Hymns. Find their original songs wherever you stream music. Thanks again, and have a blessed day.